Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Friend of Songs, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Do you know the rules of the game? Yeah. You know the rules of the game? I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk money. Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I don't want to talk to you. You shouldn't even get this tape. Hey, I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my line unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper, all I know is run money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on, do what I want to do, have kids, go live my chip and joy in a game's life out here in Texas or struggle for next week. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellar, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host, fellas. How y'all feeling? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, here, man. Another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance. Man, checking in, feeling great, man. Excited about tonight, man. What's going on, everybody? It's Kelly here, checking in, checking in on a great Thursday afternoon, watching a little bit of the draft while getting ready for this great podcast, though. What's good, y'all? It's your boy Jared checking in. Man, I ain't even – I heard some some sad stuff. Y'all know I'm a Cowboys fan, and I heard that man Jerry said he don't even want to talk to nobody. He just making all the decisions tonight, so I'm not even watching. Um – we gonna rock with it. How we going? I'm excited for the podcast tonight. Oh, sorry about that, man. Sorry, sorry, that sorry man. that you're a Cowboys <laughs> fan. Hey, 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 hey. But hey, anyway, man, we gonna get to the point that we try to get to. Man, we got a great episode tonight. We got some brothers out of Baltimore, uh, residing in Delaware now, uh, doing dope work. Got man. a dope platform themselves. Uh, the host of the Corporate Coke and Smack podcast. Josh and Toby. Josh, Toby, how y'all feeling, bro? Hey, we're feeling great, man. Thank you for having us on. Uh, you know, it's been a long time coming, definitely. 
Um, but, you know, we had to make it happen, whether it was draft night, you know what I'm saying? We here. So thank you for having us on, for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having us on. If, if, if you guys don't know me and Josh's relationship, he's the person who's always out in the public. You know, I'm, I'm the one behind the table, you know, getting stuff done. So I'm excited to kind of, you know, show my face on a different platform. So, uh, you know, let's have some fun. Hey, man. Yes, Thank y'all for coming on, bro. It's about to be Thank a special you. one. Yeah, I know what it is. It's Josh F., a.k.a. Josh D. Lifestyle. I mean, checking in with BWR. We're going to have a good vibe. Make sure I stay tuned. Of course. You already know who it is. The twos always got to sound a little different. It's your boy, Toby, a.k.a. one half of Corporate Coke and Smack. And I just want to shout out everybody who's listening. And thank you to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast for having us. For sure, for sure, man. So look, man, we just going to dive right into tonight. We're not really going to give like, well, we can't get a backstory. So we're going to... How did you two get hooked up and linked up, man? And then we're going to give up our story, how we got linked up and hooked up, bro. Hey, you want to tell it or you want me to tell it? Because I give a slight backstory. I'm so, going to tell the raw story. The, okay. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to tell the overview, and I'm going to let, uh, you know, Toby get into, you know, the chapters. But long story short, we have a mutual friend, Mark. Um, you know what I'm saying? He, he overcame, you know, some trials in his life. But we met at the... Um, the wedding party, whatever it's called, the um, bachelor party. And it was like, yo, you live down the street from me. You're like, yeah. And then we see that we had a mutual interest in, you know, finance, investing, things like that. And we was like, yo, I like to talk. He like to talk. I'm like, let's let the world hear our voice. So that's how Corporate Corporate Smack came about. Oh, the name. People always ask what, how the name come about. So the name came about, if y'all don't know, Lil Scooter, uh, R.I.P. Lil Scooter. He's a Baltimore rapper, well-known. He was really putting on for the city. You got a song called Bird Flu. You can go check that out on YouTube. But he's saying, you know, selling scramble coke and smack. I mean, you know, that's that raw, raw. But we was like, all right, we're going to give it to him from a corporate level. So that's how corporate coke and smack came about. Hey, I just want to say, I met this gentleman at this. It was my friend Mark's wedding. But I met this gentleman, and they introduced him to me as Slick. Okay? So before Mr. Josh Av, before Mr. Josh D. Lifestyle, his name was Slick. So when I heard that name, I was like, all right. So they had some food sitting out and they had some liquor sitting out. So I was the first person to get up and he was the first person to get up. I'm like, the nigga named Slick. First person to get up, see the liquor, first person to start eating. So I was like, all right, I can relate to him. You know, but then we started talking and he had a good financial acumen. So I was like, okay, he's a smart guy too. And then we found out we both had history growing up in Baltimore and we lived like 10, 15 minutes away from each other, if that. So we just, after going back and forth, we was like, yo, why don't we start a podcast? And it's been, we've been rolling ever since then. That's dope, hey, bro. man, that's dope. Hey, question. Whenever they told you this man name was Slick, you was like, I don't know, I'm fucking with this, man. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, somebody tell me this man. Look, all I'm gonna say is, all I'm gonna say is, it's not too many niggas named Slick I trust, you feel me? So... You tell me somebody's name is Slick. I'm like, all right, I got, I got to wash my back with this guy. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we, we want to we wanna find out the same about y'all. Um, how did BWR get founded and created? Because I know a little bit about you all. You all went to different colleges, I believe, a couple of you all. So how did you all form, you know, your coalition? So, I mean, uh, well, BWR really kind of just started out as a Instagram page with me and Jared. So this is David speaking about it. I know it's a bunch of different voices on this podcast. So Jerry Kelly and I were roommates in college and we were all like 
getting closer to the end of the college time and we really started getting interested in business. We took an interest in business and finance and all this stuff. So we started like little side hustles here and just started flipping stuff there. And like, we just really started hustling. And then like with that, we all, like we tried all kind of shit, bro. We tried influencer pages. We tried drop shipping stores. We were selling plates out the house. Like we was doing all kind of shit. We were just hustling, but we didn't really know nothing about financial literacy. So like come fast forward after we graduate, like, you know, we got this inclination. Uh, Jared used the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And like, it kind of, he distributes it among us and it kind of like sparks that financial literacy bug in all of us. So like, now we like, okay, cool. Let's get ready to get rolling with this financial literacy thing. Like, man, there's some crazy information. Like, why the hell are they not teaching us this shit in school? Like I've been in school 23 years of my life and I ain't never learned none of this shit. And it's way more important in terms of like all that. So a couple months went by and eventually Jared and I, we started the page, uh, started getting some traction with that. Then after a little time, Kelly, he also wanted to start a page. So he hopped on with us and Jalen been my best friend since eighth grade. So we, uh, we were trying to do wholesaling at the time. At the same time, we were starting up this. BWR really started getting traction around right around the same time we got scammed. Yeah, and, uh, that's, a, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a whole another story. We got scammed wholesale. Hey, was the person named Slick who scammed you? <laughs> <laughs> nah, his dad name was Donald Thompson. Fuck Donald Thompson. Jalen Hopkins, and I mean from there, like yeah. the, just been doubling up and growing. That's just a real brief overview, fellas. Y'all got anything to add? Nah, bro. I just want to say, like, we was able to work at it, like, in the beginning of this, like, I need you to keep in mind, is me and David, we down here in Louisiana. Jared is living in, like, the Pacific Northwest yeah, at man, one point in time. Like, he's at at one point of this. Then he moves to uh, Nebraska for another part, and you got Kelly out in West Texas. So it's like, we all, we spread out throughout the country. But it's like, we just like, man, we got to get this shit popping. We got to just keep on working. And, like, like he said, as it just kept on taking off. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor... State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I was like, damn, this teamwork shit, we kind of really making this thing motherfucking happen, bro. Yeah. So, and we, once we realized, like he said, they was, while they was trying shit in school, I'm trying shit in school through myself. And like, I'm selling plates too. Like, I pulled up, like, there's this one weekend, I rented a barbecue pit, I pulled up outside of the party, and I'm selling like some little pork steak sandwiches, like. I'm trying to get it popping for real shit. too, bro. <laughs> so we all had that like that natural inclination, that natural hustle to us. But once we all just clicked up and really just started holding each other accountable, we was able to get some gold. shit. Yeah, we was able to get some shit cracking. Hey, I ain't gonna lie though. When I had first heard Black Wolf Renaissance, I thought it was when I seen the word Renaissance, I thought it was like some older cats on this John. I'm like. Yo, and I was like, all right, it's, you know, it's, it's some young brothers getting to it. I'm like, all right, I can dig it. And then, you know, I, like I said, I've seen, you know, all your social media information and how you all platform 
grew exponentially so quickly, I was like, all right, I can rock with them. So man, that's that's huge, man. I'm glad to, I'm glad to know y'all. I'm glad to know. I, I met that met Jerry already. Yeah, yeah, I met. I yeah, think yeah. you met almost all of us in except Sacramento, me, except, except for uh, Dave. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Sacramento was crazy, man. That was a great time too, bro. Yes, hey, sir. I'm curious though. I'm curious. You guys talked about a lot of hustles you guys have had, and I'm curious, what are some of the the craziest hustling gigs? As long as the statute of limitations is up. You know, mm. what are some of the craziest hustling gigs you guys held down? I think the one of the best ones was the parking gig, man. By far. Uh, By far. far. Yeah. So we, we were, we're all, me and Jared, and as David said before, we were all college together. We're all roommates. And Jared's mom works for the city or is part of the city government, right? Correct? Jared? All right. So she comes in one day and was like, we we're actually Louisiana Tech is playing Mississippi State, which is a big D1 school. So we're like, all right. She comes in one day and was like, hey, there's a lot of hotels booked up. So it's a lot of people in town for this game. So we were like, hmm, it's a lot of people in town. We got room for parking. Let's see what we can do with this. So we started charging for parking. Originally, it was like $10. I think it went up to almost like $20, $25. We rose the price. We even got the neighbor across the street. To come with us and hey. split them in, in there. But we started selling parking that wasn't even ours. <laughs> Can I hop in for that portion? Is that how your wholesale? Is that how the wholesale uh, <laughs> operation started? Yo. <laughs> so I go over to her and I was just like, hey, can I get your yard real quick? I know you want to make some extra money. Like she about to leave. I'm like, let me get your yard. I can pay you by, you know what I'm saying, like a hundred dollars. She was like, uh-uh, I see how many cars y'all got out here. Y'all gotta give me more than that. I was like, man. We give you ten dollars a car. She was like, "I got you." I went back car street, bro, man. We going up. <laughs> we up the price and we just kept on rolling. <laughs> Got extra space and made. I'm pretty sure we probably would made an extra two, three hundred dollars off a yard, if not more, because then we sold plates and shit. I remember y'all telling me that shit though. Y'all was like, "Man, we just paid our rent on this month off of this shit." Nice. I don't know. I don't have any crazy hustling stories. I think the craziest thing I did since I was from Baltimore, I went to University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and we had a lot of white students going there. So I knew a lot of spots that wasn't carding at the time. So I could just go grab liquor and they wouldn't ask me for ID. So I used to make runs. You know, I was 18, 19, but I would just get people's money, tell them to pay me a little bit extra on the top, hit my little spot. I knew they wasn't carding and just bring back liquor. So I was a liquor man, you know, for this. Yeah. Yeah, that's a finesse, though. You realize the demand and you got the supply for this. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. That's lit. So let's, let's just get right into it, man. Yes, so sir. I just want to talk about the current state of the economy, because I know you guys, y'all talk about, like you said, the corporate uh, side and everything. And uh, I know the last podcast y'all put out, you was like the checks in and everything. Let's just talk about, like, these stimulus checks, and how do y'all think that this is going to play a, an effect, not right now, but down the line? Because I can see this, we're going to have to pay for this down the line. Yeah. Hey, Josh, I'm going to let you tackle that first. Yes, sir. I would say, man, it's really getting nutty out here, uh, for lack of better terms. The, the, the money machine is very, very busy. I hope they got a cooling on it, because that thing is running 24 hours, seven days a week right now. The way they're dropping these stimulus packages. But, you know, it's a tough time that we're going through right now in terms of kind of, I won't call it like a, a 
buy a war, but you know, the the reason behind the state of the economy right now is, you know, due to science and biology. But long term, I mean, this is gonna have effect for a few years because you gotta think, I mean, as of this week, it was like 26 million people that have filed for unemployment. And you gotta think those jobs just don't immediately come right back because now that we're going through what we're going through, businesses are gonna adjust their procedures and their operation to kind of fit this new way of life or this new quality of life. So you're gonna see a lot of corporations and companies who might, if they don't default, they're gonna do away with some of their real estate, the commercial real estate. So you may see more people work from home, things of that nature. I mean, you're gonna see, you know, as society um, advances, you know, with automation, that's gonna cost a lot of people jobs. You already see it in the call centers. People don't even think about that. The call centers, that's a large, like just speaking generically, that's a large employer. So that's gonna cut a lot of jobs. But yeah, where we're at right now, it's gonna to be tough. Like I said, I'm grateful just to still have my job and I work in wealth management. So that's definitely a need. So you know, I need y'all to keep getting rich, you know what I mean? Keep the wealth management folks busy. But that's how I see it. That's you know, just my short summary, but it's gonna definitely be a few years before we actually see the new way of life, because it's never gonna go back to the old way. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree for the most part. It's a popular aphorism that says, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Lizzo been singing for a little minute. So <laughs> I, feel, I, I really feel like we've been running on poor fundamentals for quite some time in the economy, right? And right now with the stimulus checks, you're propping up the economy on something that's really weak. You know, we're going to run through these stimulus checks. You already got people losing their money on Cash App. So we're going to run through these stimulus checks real quick. And then we're going to be back to, all right, we're looking for help again. So I think what you're going to see right now is Q1 really was only impacted by late March. Because Q1 from January to March, you know, coronavirus really started making headlines like late March. So you're going to see earnings season right now. I think we're going to see you're going to see favorable results. You know, people are going to come out, they're going to beat their estimates, but then you're going to really start to feel it when it comes to Q2, Q3, and the rest of 2020. So I feel like, yeah, them stimulus checks was all right. You know, I mean, if you could save some of that, please do that. If you can invest some of that, please do that. But I really think we've been propped up on news. You know, every single headline that comes out, oh, hey, they're talking about a new bill. You see the market going up. You have so many companies that, they don't have enough cash flow to last them three months. You know, you want to talk about individuals. Oh, where are your savings at? You got people that can't pay their leases. You got people that if their operations ain't bringing in cash flow, then they can't pay their interest expense. So you're going to see a lot of people, a lot of companies, excuse me, a lot of companies who just can't stand the rain. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's some big facts. I heard, I heard Walmart got TVs on sale in case anybody <laughs> looking to spend their STEMI money. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, we're going to get into that too, hey, man. But like that kind of maybe go to talk about uh from what Toby was saying that poor fundamentals thing like you saying how companies running themselves with poor <clears> fundamentals <throat> what like we talk about personal finance a lot and we always like we all on that personal finance and responsibility tip so how do you think it is that these businesses were able to scale so large being like bad at money management I mean you know when a woman has a sugar daddy you know. She knows he's going to come to the rescue. So a lot of times you got the government who's coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to rescue this industry. I'm going to rescue that company. So one thing is you have a lot of dumb companies who aren't learning from their mistakes because you have people coming in to bail them out. You know, so 
you got a lot of companies that's looking at it like, okay, what's the consequences? Even bankruptcies. Bankruptcy is only a shield from paying the people you owe. So you can still operate business, you know, you can go bankrupt and then you come back out and people act like nothing ever happened. You know, one that I remember, uh, everybody talked, nobody has talked about this, but I remember I saw True Religion filed bankruptcy again, you know, and they're going to come back out again. They filed bankruptcy more than once, you know, so it's like you have all these shelters in place that favor some of these companies saying, okay, you know what, I can just default on this, come back out. And it really isn't that many consequences. On a personal level, if you go bankrupt, your name is tarnished for like seven years. You know, a company could say, hey, I'm going to file chapter 11 and I'm going to protect myself from having to pay all these people. And then I'm going to just come back out when coronavirus is gone. Or I could just, you know, make sure I'm getting some type of help from the government while I'm doing this and just come back out and be fine. Man, you touched on some points that I've, I've wanted to dive into. Like, even with like, like you said, the people that's coming out and getting the help. Uh, I was reading an article earlier this week. It's like more publicly traded companies that collected this relief money than it was at small yes, business. Sir. Yeah, it's like, damn, bro. And David was telling me there was somebody on CNBC. He's like, hey, man, we just do what we got to do to survive. Like, yeah, not giving like, a damn. Like, he just, they was like, hey, man, you taking all the money from the small business. He was like, look, we've been gainfully employing people for 13 years. We're going to take as much money as we need. I mean, it's really ruthless out here. You know what I mean? It's like the corporate, you know, the corporate streets is kind of like the streets. I mean, it's a doggy dog world, unfortunately. So, I mean, when you go out here and you're not strapped up. You know what I'm saying? You, you might get caught slipping. But, yeah. and I want to speak to the power of business too, though. Like you said, if you file for bankruptcy through your personal name, you fucked up. Uh -huh. But people don't understand why we say, hey, it's better to start a business just because of so much protection that you can have from starting a business. Like just if you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, he explains to you why corporate structures and corporations is like the wave to go. One, you're being taxed at a much smaller rate. Like you just said, if you fuck up some shit, if you, if you really go down south, you can file bankruptcy and come right back out if you, like, if you know how to do it right. So just starting a business, that shit's crazy. Like so much of the advantages that you get once you actually start adding value to the economy. In total, you're playing by a whole different set of rules at that game, at that point. Yeah, and I think sometimes people look at barriers, like, like skin barriers, right? When you're operating just as yourself, yeah, you can see some skin barriers, but when you're operating as an entity that the other person, the other white guy also has his LLC, now you're saying my LLC versus your LLC, my corporation versus your corporation. You kind of skim down on some of those barriers, those skin barriers. So it's a lot better to do things as a business, for sure. And speaking of bankruptcy, you look at, you know, the president, he's filed bankruptcy, you know, a few times. I mean, so that just goes to show, like, you know, you can bounce back. You know, it's, it's not your name. It's the business name that's really on the line. And I kind of want to go back to, like, the sugar daddy. Like, so why do y'all think that, the, like, it's not true capitalism in America? Why does the government always step in to help certain sectors so it doesn't become true capitalism? Man, that's deep. That's deep. Honestly, I say it's a favor for a favor. Like, I'm going to help you out so you can help me out as well. You know, and I think the government itself, they, I mean, they know what it's like to owe a ton of money and not pay because you look at our deficit right now. So it's almost like America has this culture of, hey, just charge that, run that up real quick. Oh, yeah, we'll take care of that later. You know, so 
I think it's just it's just the nature of the beast in America for real. Yeah, and I, I will also say if you look at actually what the government provides, they lean on um private companies more than you know the ordinary citizen knows. So they look for private companies for agriculture. I mean, I, I would say like the probably the only thing that they don't lean on private companies for is like, you know, military or you know, defense. But even defense, I mean, they lean on, you know, Northrop Grumman, um, Lockheed Martin, you know, companies mm-hmm. like that. So they definitely need these companies for sure. And like Toby said, I mean, you know, you got to, you know, benefit them in some way. So, hey, we're going to bail you out. We're going to worry about this. It's like credit card. It's like what some people do with credit cards. Swipe and worry about it later. And that's essentially, you know, what they're doing. Yeah, and plus they're trying to prevent contagions, you know, because one industry, if you have a big player in one industry failing, you know, that could then prompt another industry, another big player to fail. So, I mean, the government really is just, they're trying to stop fires that, honestly, I, I think some fires are, are meant to burn down some stuff. You know, you should see companies burn down when they do stupid stuff. Just like as individuals, you do stupid stuff, then, yeah, you, you and a ton of crap. Hmm. It is deep. That's deep for real. Because, like you said, you see people doing stupid stuff all the time. They're like, hey, let them learn their damn lesson. So not these businesses though. But we need them to run that economy. <laughs> right. And also these businesses provide jobs. Yeah. And jobs is what keep businesses open. The economy runs off of people, off of consumption. So we need people to spend money. So it's like it's like a big circle, you know what I'm saying? You know, like the little recycle, little triangle, it all just flows, oh. keeps flowing, you know what I'm saying? Like so would y'all agree with like some of the memes that's on the uh, internet though, talking about America just a big ass country living paycheck to paycheck with broke ass, broke ass businesses living paycheck to paycheck? Nah, uh, honestly, I would say it's more so the consumers. I mean, we see these companies that have big balance sheets and a lot of assets, but you know, like we said before, is that they know what they can get out the government. So it's kind of like if you know, like if you got. Some people, like I say, less fortunate people have a rich family member and they know that the rich family member is a very giving person. So as long as they go to them like, hey, can I get this? Can I get this? And they keep giving it to them, they enabling it. It's going to keep happening. So I wouldn't necessarily say the corporation is living paycheck, but it's definitely people around you that's living paycheck to paycheck. I don't know. Y'all might be living paycheck to paycheck. Say nah, nah, nah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, honestly, I feel like you got to know the source. You got to know the source. So a lot of corporations, they know where to get capital from, you know, and I would agree with memes that say, hey, America's living paycheck to paycheck because a lot of companies feel like, yo, if I need to tap into some capital, then I know where to go. And I can afford to be lean and I can afford to not have that much cash. So it's all about like, do you know where the actual source of your money is? You know, and as individuals, you look at it, most people, they don't know how to access a large amount of capital. You know, and, and that's where when you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. You're going to lose relationships. Your red's going to be touched. It's going to hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, the next time I need a loan, I'm coming straight to the bank of Black Wealth Renaissance. I heard y'all, hey. I heard, I heard y'all accepting Ooh. 580 credit scores. Ooh, 580? I don't know about all of that, my brother. Yeah, I see, you ain't even got a bank. You're right. We're coming paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> I want to ask y'all, so I know we're in two different regions of the country. So how are things in y'all region? Because y'all in the South, y'all like in Louisiana, Texas. So how have you seen things in your local communities? 
I think the biggest thing here, like you got some people out of work. It's not as many people out of work because honestly, it's not that many people in Louisiana. Ain't that many jobs. But uh, I think the biggest thing is really that school situation, man. You got a lot more kids out. Uh, and that that's just like the thing that's been the most prevalent to me. Just making sure those kids, especially the ones that's not eating at home, because that's a thing too. You know, Louisiana, it's a state with a, a fair amount of poverty. So that's, you see a lot of programs like that around here, but for the most part. Yeah, you see a lot of people like giving out food and stuff like that. And I think another way that it's kind of been affected is kind of like, more so like the restaurant industries because we got a lot of restaurants here. Like a lot of restaurants here. That's kind of been affected by this. I mean, shit, most of them doing pretty well. Like, they staying open and people just driving up and eating. I'm talking about, like, the mom and pops and ah. the stuff like that. Like, more so, like, the small... At the corner stores. Yeah, the corner stores. Yeah, like, the local yeah, like, restaurants and stuff like that. I've been seeing them not open, like, Charlie's and mm, other places yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. You'll pass by, you'll be like, oh, damn, they're not open. So, i just be looking at, like, I've been looking at the local businesses. I'm like, damn. These people kind of are affected. And I know we was chilling by my house the other day. I heard the government, they're, the local government, they talking about, yeah, man, we're running out of money like a motherfucker right now. Hey, I, I want to go ahead and shout out Louisiana, too. I was actually born in Louisiana. I don't know what my moms was doing out there, but, you know, moms live a crazy life. But found out I was born out there. I actually went to, I actually went back for the first time since birth, this past Mardi Gras. I was there at the end of February. And when I tell you, I came back and everybody started talking about coronavirus this bro i was scared man because i was running through them streets man them streets was yeah and i ain't gonna lie there's a lot of people who got sick like from mardi gras because one of my friends uh, he's like a little like an hour up north he went to new orleans from mardi gras and he actually got sick from this shit like he got he contracted the virus and i was like damn bro so and i think that's where our largest uh problem with because i know people see it online like on the news and stuff louisiana is like so high I do want to make this point. Like he said, it's not a lot of people who live in Louisiana. So per capita is going to seem like, oh, my God, it's so many people right. having it. But it's really more so concentrated, like, around that New Orleans. New Orleans area. But then you have, like, some hot spots, like, in the northern part of the state and stuff like that. But once that Mardi Gras shit had happened, it was, it's, like you said, I know you saw how many people was out there. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm in kind of a different realm with being in West Texas. So it's kind of different because of I'm in yeah, the, you're in Mexico. I mean, uh, we're in West Texas, basically New Mexico. We Southern New Mexico. But uh, it's a lot of people that's worried because they've never seen, especially with the oil prices, they've never seen oil prices this low or they've never seen oil prices go negative. You know, they don't know what that means. They worry about the jobs. We did a lot of layoffs. So it's been hectic out here. Especially that because a lot of rigs are also laying down to stop drilling. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how we come back from that oil crisis that we're in right now. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. One thing I did want to throw in, too, just about like Louisiana in general. Me and, like, David talk about it a lot. Uh, we got a running joke that, uh, like, Louisiana is somewhat recession-proof because it's, like, so much of it is already in poverty. Like, Minimum so wage still seven twenty-five here. Yeah, like, people talk about getting paid, like, $20 and stuff like that for an internship. I'm like, that's a great job here. Like, 
<laughs> like anybody would want that job here. Like we'll fight you for that job. So like we're already in that lowest level. Like unless they go below seven twenty five, they can't hurt us. <laughs> Sheesh, that's crazy. That is crazy. I guess I'll give my experience in Baltimore. So, I mean, Baltimore is a wild, wild, crazy place. And we don't really obey any laws. So you still got people running around crazy out here. But, I mean, in terms of, in terms of the economy, I, I will say right now I'm looking for a home. And, I mean, prices are still sky high right now. Um, I'm not really seeing that much in the market. There is a scarcity when you talk about the amount of readily available homes out here. So, I mean, I think we're yet to really feel the effects out in Baltimore, honestly. I mean, people are getting laid off. You know, people, people especially people who, you know, I, I guess you would say they're working jobs where you don't require any formal education. Like you're saying those people get impacted the most right now in Baltimore. And yeah, where I'm at up in Delaware, I mean, this is the second smallest state. Uh, where I'm at, it's pretty urban. Um, the cases have kind of, they've hit their peak here. Um, I'm actually still going to the office a couple of days out of the week myself, but we, um, what it is, my office split into two teams. So half of us go in for two weeks, then go work from home. The other half come in, so I'll switch off. But I mean, people still really have just been primarily work from home in that sense. But me, Percy, man, I'm still outside. You'll probably see me on Instagram and Twitter. I still be running. I still be biking. I can't be locked up in the house. I'm going to go insane, man. Yeah, yeah. My hair out of control right now. Everything going crazy. So uh, I know they've been saying that the CDC and the health officials have been telling people to stay in the house. But, you know, for that mental health purpose, at least, you know, go outside in your street and take a walk. Just get some fresh air because, you know, you wrapped up in the house. It's almost like solitary confinement, you know, to an extent. But, yeah, as far as the cases here, they've kind of tailed mm -hmm. off. Anybody listening, just stay clear of New York and New Jersey and you probably be good. Hey, man, I'm with you with that staying in the house shit, too. I've been going outside, too. I've been fishing. I've been trying to kayak and all this. I've been trying to stay away from people, but I still, I'm outside, man. I need to get in the damn sun. Say, bro. Say, bro. I ain't going to lie to you. As soon as you said something about Baltimore people not listening to the rules, the first thing I thought about was that video I seen on Twitter. We don't care about no curfew. We don't care about no curfew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. Out and that, here, that's man. the real Baltimore. Though. That's, you know, stand to say, man, that's the real Baltimore. You know, you just got to get it how you live. Hey, keep it real, though. Is, is anybody in relationships? How have your relationships relationship? been through this coronavirus quarantine? Are you sneaking out? Is she sneaking in? What, what's going on with y'all? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm in a relationship with my girl. She's like out of town. I stay in Lafayette. She stay in Dallas. So it's just a phone thing. To long distance, you know, the long distance, it don't really interrupt none of that. You yeah. get to just get to keep talking on FaceTime the regular. She got a lot more free time now, though. I talk a lot, Bo, but I mean, I ain't got none of that, that sneaking out and in. I ain't got no relationship. I'm good. Mind giving me the evil eyes over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's been good, man. It's really actually really cool because normally we, she's in Louisiana, I'm in Texas. So it's been cool that she's off and she can come down here. And be down here probably about another month or two. Nice. She was looking at you, Kelly, like you better answer quickly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it ain't stopped nothing for me. We uh, mine just been regular. Like she, she an hour away from here, so we just still be together and whatnot. I do be a little afraid though, cause like they got more cases where she had than I am. So I'd be like, you know what I'm saying? Well, who you been around? You, you might expose me to something. What about y'all, gentlemen? Yeah, no, I'm I'm single, but I actually, you know. 
I, I took a little opportunity. I'm not even going front. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you had man. to make that slide, hey. bro. You had to take hey. that risk. <laughs> hey, this is the time we, you know, you get that. Oh, he different. He wanted to go quarantine. He different. You know, so I took a little opportunity. You know, I'm going to leave it at that, you know. <laughs> Hey, when, I, when that flight attendant say, hey, go back to your seat and put your seatbelt on, man, you call a little turbulence over here. <laughs> but, you hey, know. Hey, 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 I kept my mask on, though. I kept my mask on. Mask on. on. <laughs> my brother, you did not social distance. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Man. Oh, dude's wild, bro. That's funny. Shit. Yo, so I, I want to ask y'all, I want to ask y'all, so with the state of everything, how do you all see like your friends and, and people you know you know personally not on social media like do you see people taking this time to pick up new skills or you know learn things or is everybody just like netflix and is everybody watching the ozarks and you know i mean all the netflix stuff because you know a lot of times when we talk about stuff on social media sometimes we forget to put things in context and of course not everyone's gonna have the same mindset as you know brothers mm-hmm. like us but all we can do is really encourage people to say, hey, you know, this is what you can do to get out of your situation. Like me personally, I was actually talking to somebody I went to school with and she lives like in a small town in North Carolina. And I was like, won't you spend less time, you know, making IG stories and look for gigs somewhere? You know, like I, at first I asked like, what do you want to get into? You know, break down what path you want to take. And then, you know, all right, this is what I need to look at or this is where I can kind of go to gain skills. So are you all seeing people like really using this time, you know, advantageously or it's like, this is another vacation? Man, this is a big ass party. This is a big man. ass party out here. Party. Hey, I gonna, I've been seeing people having cookouts in North Carolina. I'm like, yo. Bro, they bro. having crawfish balls, barbecues, the kids not doing the schoolwork. It, it's, it's not, I don't see any type. Me personally, I don't see too many people yeah. being productive. <laughs> Like, well, it's one of those things, too, like you was mentioning. We try to encourage people to do it, but, like, that's the part of the conversation that people never really enjoy having, uh, in my opinion. Like, they want to grow, but they don't want to do the shit necessary mm-hmm. to grow. Like, we, uh, you know, like you said, everybody's situation, not the same. So, uh, like, I've seen a lot on the internet, the memes, it'll be like, you can't tell people that they lack discipline for not coming out of the quarantine with a new skill because you don't know what their life like. But I'm sorry, guys. I just fail to believe this quarantine is just so fucking difficult for everybody, bro. Y'all out here, you can make 20 videos on TikTok. You can play on IG all day, but you can't mm-hmm. take the time to. It pick can't up a be that bad. Your phone bill is paid. Uh huh. Ah, that's a blessing itself. That's a blessing itself. Exactly. So, and I, I ain't gonna lie, I do see some people though. I see more people trying to get healthy right now. I do see people like I do like that. It is a lot of new fitness trainers that popped up. Yeah, I, I, I see more people trying to get healthy and trying to work out right now. So, I can't just say I don't see people doing shit. But as far as like the next flicks, too, I have been having people tell me, You need to watch All American, you need to watch All American, or you need to watch Tiger King. So, a lot of people are watching more TV right now, too. Yeah, I also think you got like two sets of people you got the people who they still working from home. They saying, yo, my days are just super long. Mm-hmm. And then you got the people who they offer their jobs, but they saying, yo, I ain't getting no money right now. So I'm depressed. But I just think, yo, you got to find a way to love yourself in this time, man. Like, I mean, if you truly love yourself, you're not going to let yourself just 
waste and just, you know, watch Netflix 24-7. You're going to say, all right, you know what? I got a passion. I want to work on that. And, I mean, look, unfortunately, you do have some people who they got symptoms. You know, they they trying to save their energy. They trying to make sure they take the vitamins and just stay healthy. So you got a mix of people. But as long as you love yourself, I feel like you're going to find a way to be productive. Most definitely. The thing is, there's, like, with unemployment, I've been seeing more people, like, trying to stay at home, not trying to find another job or like trying to get laid off so they can get on point because it's like a thousand dollars a week. Hey, that's crazy. Like you walk into work trying to get laid. I'm gonna try, no, I ain't gonna try that. I was just kidding. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, that's, <laughs> that's how crazy though. For some people, they might make more on unemployment. On unemployment. That's, that's, a yeah. Yeah. that's a thing. That's a really big thing out here. That's crazy. That's the real stimulus package. Unemployment plus food stamps. Ooh, man, what? what? Living good, man. Man. And then hey, I heard they're supposed to like boost up food stamps like an extra 40%. Yeah, because like you said earlier, the kids that would usually get like breakfast and lunch at school, now the parents got to provide three meals at home. So they had to up that. I'm like, hey, and, then, and then when you add the Cash App scams and Forex? Oh, man. Hey, bro. Hey. <laughs> All right, you, you, made, you got me on it. Cool. <laughs> I want to kind of pivot to the, we were going to talk about black culture at one point. I want to play this Forex shit into it too. So okay. why do you feel like the black community seems a bit vulnerable to this Forex scam? Not even just the Forex scam, even the Cash App scam bullshit. Well, it kind of one thing. I just say this, it come down to getting rich quick. I can see it too, because people just want to flip that damn bread, bro. Like people don't want to take that time in to invest in themselves and really figure out what I got to do to invest, what I got to do to try to make this money, make it actually start working for itself. Like with the cash app shit. Oh, I only got to put a hundred dollars in and I can get eight. Like, Oh man, that's a flip. That's an investment. We literally had someone argue oh, us bro. on the damn page that the cash app shit was a form of investing your money. It wasn't <laughs> a pyramid scheme. If you listen to this at Josh D lifestyle, I will get you right on the cash app situation. <laughs> DM me, DMs are open. I mean, it's just, when you think about it, people start these new relationships and they love how it is in the beginning, you know, but a strong relationship comes over time. You know, mm -hmm. it's the same with your money. You know, you got to put in time. If somebody's going to sell you on a, on a get-rich-quick scheme and you jump at that, I mean, you got to really think to yourself, okay, what's going to happen the next day after that, the day after that? You know, is, is this something that is sustainable? And I think when people see that dollar sign by whatever opportunity, it's kind of a, a reflection of where they're at in life, you know, because, I mean, if you give somebody that's hungry something that is terrible in terms of nutrition, yeah, they're going to bite at it. They're going to say, yo, I need that. Give me two of those. Give me two of those little burgers or whatever you're talking about. I don't care what's in them, you know. It's the same way with money. If you're talking to somebody where they ain't got no savings, they don't even know what, what a retirement account is. They have nothing to their name. Of course, they're going to look at something and be like, yo, you know what? I want to make it, and I want to make it quick. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to just do a slight pivot off of that. That's why a lot of cats is doing the options right now. But that's all I'm going to say. That's why a lot of cats, they trying to turn a little into a lot. I have been seeing the option, please. Right. And the option, is, it's, a, it's called a derivative. It's really mm -hmm. a complex investment product mm -hmm. or vehicle. That shit not, I, I know people that hit me on my DMs. They want to know about options, but they don't even have a long-term portfolio yet. Why? Because they're trying to get that quick dollar. They're trying to turn that STEMI money into a mansion money. Hey, I they mean, 
options are the side chicks, and you know, people love these side chicks, man. You know, so I look at options as you know, you got people who literally they have that same mentality of yo, I want to get rich quick, and I don't want to have I, I don't want to have to study too much because I mean, if you download Robinhood, you can buy an option in an hour. You feel me? Like it's nothing stopping you. Option. The actual the first time I downloaded Robinhood, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like most people who download Robinhood. And I thought I was buying a share or something. And I placed the option trade, like that type of shit. Hey, yeah, it's crazy out here, man. It's crazy. That was, man. Yeah, it was like two years ago, bro. Like whenever we was first, like, man, hey, man, what's this stock shit, man? Let me see what's popping with this. Yeah, but I see the thing, I ain't know the difference. And like, a lot of people get involved in it. Like you said, it's a derivative, and it is more complex. The thing about Robinhood. You get on a platform, you think you're playing Super Mario. It's so, it's, it's, it's like so colorful. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's like, when you, when you go do an office, like, do you think the stock price is going to go up or down? It's like, well, I do. I think it's going to go right. up. All right. <laughs> it's just this easy, up or down? Right. <laughs> like, pick a date. Hmm, my birthday's coming up. <laughs> like, well, I think it's also because, yeah. like, a lot of people, especially with the options and shit, they, really just advertise all the whole flipping of their money, the 200%, 300%. Is what is all you see when people are advertising. You don't see the 20%, the real money, what they, where their money is, bro. Like, that's the thing that I can't stand, is that most people make their money off the 10 to 20%, but they show the fucking 20, 200%, and the 300%. Bro, can I get like a two-minute segment right now? I'm about to go with it, go with it, bro. Let me go ahead and rip y'all. Let me let me rip the timeline right quick. I'm tired of seeing, like you said, the screenshots. A lot of people, all you're doing is broadcasting their wins. We all know you do not hit every option, right? Nope. So, like you said, you hit a 200% option. Cool. You put like a hundred dollars on the line. You know what I mean? Like that ain't no big risk. So you got people who making who doing these lotto plays, and if it hit. They, like you said, they they throwing a screenshot out there. Yeah, you know what I mean? I turned 100 into 500. But like you said, in the, in the grand scheme of things, that's not no real money. Salute you for making a profit, yes. But the way, like you said, that people advertise it, like it's easy and they hitting on the regular, it's not them, It's not a lot of traders. It's like less than 10% of traders that really profit on the regular. So let's get that straight. And then also for the advertisement part, like I said, when people just advertising the wins, it's okay to show losses too. Like you gotta show that you gotta be authentic with it because what happens is that's how everyone started trading options. People started posting all the W's, and then you know what I mean. People like you know, I, I just I just you, David. Like you said, you went in the joint two years ago. Like it's sweet, you know what I'm saying. And you didn't put the wrong, you know, you didn't put the wrong thing in, or you know what I'm saying, the wrong. You, you thought you was getting an option, but you were buying shares. Right. It sounds easy, and that's just the thing that pisses me off the most is the way that's advertised. Easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, you got to actually be, know how to read charts, things of that nature, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I, I ain't calling no names, nobody in particular, because a lot of people do it, honestly, you know what I'm saying? But I just think that we really need to, as a culture, we need to stop, you know what I mean, passing out the police and teach people how to fish themselves, you know what I'm saying? Like the Forex joint, when they had the signal callers, <sighs> if the signal caller disappeared tomorrow, they whole shit shut down. Whole shit shut down. They turn their head left and right to each other. What are we gonna play? What are we gonna play? Cause you're depending on one or two people for your, you know, for your trade. Yeah, you know, like you're you not learning the, the fundamentals. Yeah, right. Yeah. You're not learning the fundamentals. That's why I always say, yo, you need a long-term portfolio before you hop into options. 
And that's just my hey. skill. Hey, I, I just want to say, stop playing with Josh, man. My man got the forehead, uh, veins popping out. Let me say, I got to talk to somebody real quick, man. <laughs> so stop nah. playing with my man Josh, no, yo. No, nah, because, and that's another thing. That, that's like our fiduciary responsibility. Beauty, if we yeah. want to be out here preaching financial literacy, we have to do it in a responsible manner. Mm. We can't be out here and say, oh, yeah, you can hop in this thing in a couple weeks and be an options master. No, nah. we don't go like that. Hey, you know what I see? You know what I liken some of these options, testimonies as? Fattening up the cow to get slaughtered. All right, you feeding up that cow, they're eating real good. they like, all right, you know what? They're gaining weight, and you're going to get slaughtered. All right, so it's definitely important to show both sides of the equation. And, I mean, it's an option. Yeah. Right. I it's like, like how you just said that, though, like you fattening up the cow to get slaughtered. Because Terry and, Matt and uh, Ian were on a live last they're night. They're legit. They're legit. And Terry was like, shit, yeah. like, you know, I know traders that they only make money on options only 40% of the time. Yep. Like, and these are real life traders. Yes. They so you got living. some of these people who are just getting lucky. And like you said, they placing their hundred dollars, but then as they get lucky, they start building up their confidence. Now they start playing with more money. Bad man, I just lost 600. I just lost uh -huh. seven. I just lost a thousand dollars. I saw this man on Twitter the other day. It looked like he lost almost a million fucking dollars, bro. <laughs> yeah. You seen it? On the Amazon. I the Amazon. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, that screenshot on Robin Hood. He lost, like, I think, like, $700,000 or something crazy. But, yeah, that's a, and I tuned into that same live yesterday. And Tara, that's exactly the thing she said. You know, and she was such, you know, how her account grew, and then she, she lost that risk management, and she got burned. It mm -hmm. kind of humbled her. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? If cats out here putting a hundred, if cats out here so confident, on these options, and you so nice with it, why not put a thousand? If you know, why are you only putting a hundred? Mm -hmm. That's how I look at it. Like I'm not, you know, what I mean, I'm not saying they suck at it, but it's just like I said, it goes back to how it's being represented. If you mm -hmm. so nice with it, then why are you just putting this little hundred? You know what I mean? Like I'll cash up your hundred right now and flip my shit if you so nice with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like. DM me, Josh D Lifestyle. You nice with it? DM me, right? <laughs> I'm trying to see some shit, huh? Hey. Josh, I do kind of want to hop into this with you and so you touched on risk management. Y'all yes. both in wealth management. So yep. can we talk about proper risk management? What, what does that look like? Yeah, I'm big on that. I'll start. So typically with options, like me personally and, and a lot of traders I know, and I'm more so like a swing trader. I'm not a day trader, but really options should only be about 10, 15% maybe of your, of your total portfolio. Um, so that, that's how I look at it. And then also knowing like when you're dealing with shares, knowing the quantity um, that you want to buy of a company, kind of knowing the price position where it's at and knowing like what your target price is. So where do you see the stock going? And uh, having a goal in mind, hey, do I think you can get 10% and I'll hop out? And not just buying it with no goal in mind because now you don't really know where you expect it to hit. You know what I'm saying? And I see that a lot. Like people be like, oh man, it went up and then it just dropped on me. You know what I'm saying? That's because they was going for the gusto. They saw it pop mm -hmm. up a little bit. And they're like, oh, it's sweet. It's going to keep going. And then boom, you know, if, if it hit the ground on you, that's like the first hill on the roller coaster. You know what I mean? Go up, you know, come right back down. So yeah, I always preach risk management because that's really, that's like 1B to investing. You know what I'm saying? Like the financial literacy and risk management, they really go hand in hand because like you can know all the finances you want, but if you don't have that proper risk controls in place for yourself, it's really going to be wild. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to chime in too, and I feel like you got to know what set you rep. 
You feel me? You got a lot of people who it's like, I'm risk averse, but I'm in options. You false flagging. You feel me? So you got to tell yourself, am I risk averse? Am I a risk taker? Am I risk neutral? And then your investments got to follow that strategy. And what you have with a lot of people, and I'm going to say advisors too, is they just, without even figuring out what quadrant the client fall into, they just say, oh yeah, I can make you this money. I'm going to just put you in this. And you asking the investor like, yo, so you like taking risks? Like, oh, nah, you know, I don't really like taking too many risks. But it's like, look at your portfolio. Yeah. Hmm. It's, like, it's like the risk management part. Like you said, if you know you only can bench like 150, don't be in the middle of the party <laughs> yeah. trying to pick up Lizzo. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just because, you know, some 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 jealousy or some Trey songs came on. You dig? Like, hey. you got you to gotta know your risk tolerance, man. You got Hey, know. man, look, like, shout out to all the Lizzo's out there, man, because look, we got to show the big woman love, you know? They still need love, too. I just want to say that. Yeah, no, I right? wasn't no shot. I'm mad at us on our podcast, man. No, it's not against the big woman. It's more so just knowing yourself. That's what, that, yeah. that was the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes you don't have to pick them up. They can pick you up. You feel me? So Ooh. it's vice versa, you know? <laughs> it can go either way. Hey, it's really some boss ladies out here right now. A lot yeah. of them. It really is, bro. It really is. Salute to all the boss ladies. And we're not just talking about selling weave. You know, we talk about credit repair, real estate, shoot. You know, the the stock investments. They're doing everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Really, shout out to the queens, bro. Definitely got to shout out to them. Because a lot of times they get overlooked for the shit that they're doing. They really hold it down. And like you said, a lot of them really bossing up, man. Even like you got the CPAs that's doing yeah. crazy shit. You got a lot of women that's just really breaking out right now. They actually like the highest growing, actually the fastest, uh, fastest growing, growing entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah, and I think also yeah. the highest percentage of degree people. So yeah, yeah. So it's like, hey fellas, hey don't come in thinking it's sweet. You know what I mean? Like bring some shit to the table. Yeah, cause they're gonna replace your ass. ass. Right. She don't need your ass. Yeah, her name gonna be on the mortgage, not yours. Ooh. <laughs> So they're gonna hit you with that. This my house. Yeah, right. Get out my house. So fellas, I do wanna go to another thing that we had to talk about. I wanna talk about teamwork and like first how you guys work together and just the importance of teamwork and like reaching your goals. Yeah, I say, I mean, it's difficult because we both have our hands in a lot of different ventures, you know, but I think what worked for us was that. We was geeking and wilding before we started the podcast, you know? So we had this relationship where without talking about the podcast, I'd call him up and be like, yo, hey, I'm thinking about buying this house. Yo, what you think about this? He might tell me something crazy. He might say, yo, you need to chill. So we had a personal relationship outside of the podcast. So, I mean, the podcast is business, you know? As, as much as we, you know, joke and laugh and have fun, it is business. But the personal relationship outside of that really helped us in kind of helping this team be successful and I mean, another thing is just being up front. You know, if you, if you need to reschedule something, yo, call me. You know, it, it, it's a difference between you sending me a text and being like, yo, I can't do this versus you calling me and saying, hey, yo, I got to work on this. So maybe we can do this later. So, you know, we just, we just respect each other. I think that's the biggest thing, too. You got to respect who you're working with because if the respect isn't there, then you'll find yourself doing things and feeling like, you know, you can get away with that when that other person is on the other end saying, yo, this person is really taking me for granted. So we just had a lot of respect for each other. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing, like, like Toby said, really the accountability part, like 
it's been a couple of times where, you know, I, I was, I fell short of some stuff, you know, he called me out, you know, I just, I made a quick adjustment, you know what I mean? So I think the accountability part and also like building a network in the sense that we both been able to bring, you know, different guests on the show. That's made it possible for me to interact with people that he knew that I didn't and that I brought people on that I know that he didn't. So just from, you know, a, a sociable standpoint, um, that's helped. And then, like you said, just on a personal level, I mean, if you want to call me up and talk about stuff, like, I don't get the specifics, but he, he's called me up a couple times about some shorties, you know, he had to get a second opinion. <laughs> hey, I know I'm just specific, he had to get a second opinion, you know what I'm saying? So, like you said, it's, it's really just on all levels from business to, you know, just having recreational fun to just personal brotherhood, honestly. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, man, I told you I'm working on something. Y'all don't put me out there like that, man. What you talking about? <laughs> oh, nah, nah, nah. I told you. Uh, the guy, you got to clean it up on aisle three, yo. Get out of here, yo. Nah, that was a good guy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, and I want to talk to from, like, our standpoint, too, like, with the teamwork. Like I said, it helped us with even growing this page and everything. But like y'all said, the accountability part, it's like the biggest. Because I know David, he'll call us all like, Kelly, they'll be like, man, what y'all doing? Like, we need this done or whatever. Or like, hey, man, why we didn't do this? Or whose job was this to do that? And you got to step up and you got to be like, oh, man, I fucked up. I didn't do it. But that also makes you a better person because you're like, now I got these guys, like, they leaning on me to get this shit done. So I can't be like a little dickhead and not fucking do it. I need to put my own fucking weight. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like a lot of times, honestly, when people don't do things, it's not even ill intent. You know what I mean? We all have, but outside of your group, you know, a black wealth renaissance, I'm sure you all have some individual stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's only 24 hours in a day. Sometimes stuff slips your mind and it's an honest mistake. But, you know, it makes you feel good when you know that your fellow brother can call you out and it's like no animosity. It's like, ah, right, it's real rap. Like, yo, in a sense, like, thank you for correcting me. You know what I'm saying? That's really what's wrong with a lot of people. A lot of youngers out here now, they don't have nobody to correct them when they be wrong. So it's like, I'd be appreciative when he called me out. Like, I'd be like, all right, bet. Like, you ain't gonna whip my ass, but thank you for telling me I messed up, though. <laughs> I think a huge part of that is you gotta have respect, man. It's a way to come at somebody and it's also the respect part of it. Like, you don't come at them, hey, man, you did all this shit wrong. Why the fuck you ain't do this? Why you ain't do that? It's not, cussing at them. It's not necessary. Just come at them at a standpoint where, hey, man, we got to get this stuff done. It's got to get done. Whether we like it or not, it's got to get done. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. And, like, even with that accountability portion, like, if you get the right people around you that's trying to help you and keep you accountable, then, like, that'll definitely make you a whole lot better as a person, in my opinion. Like, even for example, like, we brushed over it briefly with uh, the beginning, but with, like, our intro, I held at least them two right there with getting, with reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, oh, and they didn't want to read it. <laughs> I pestered them. Like, I... You read that book yet? <laughs> that was a good book. You read that book yet? <laughs> right. Like, like over their shoulder. Sure. Yeah. Over their shoulder every step of the way. What chapter you on? Then eventually you gotta give them a deadline. I think I think that's like the best form of accountability is a deadline. You don't get no better than the deadline. And we still do that now. Like now, like as moving forward, there's like we'll select books and shit to read together. We'll be like, hey bro, did you read that damn book yet? Well, what chapter? What was this chapter talking <laughs> what are you about? Talking about? Yeah. 
Yeah. You can't fucking spark note it, brother. Because, you know, it's easy to be like, yeah, I read that. It's always easy to agree. You know, you ask somebody, yeah, you did this. Well, yeah, I did that. Oh, how'd you do it? Oh, where, where you at? You know, you got to ask those questions, and then you, you start catching people in their lives. And I think also, um, like, something special that Toby and I, um, we do, you know, outside of just a podcast, um, is we're involved with a mentoring group. So that also allows us to, to give back the little brothers or the next generation, in a sense, um, behind us to really be a positive role model um, because, you know, unfortunately some kids or some young men who don't have uh, father figures in their home. So, you know, uh, every month, you know, we sit out a, a couple hours or so two or three hours, you know, one Saturday out the month to really meet up with these young men and just talk to them. And we talk to them about everything real. I mean, we talk about finances. We talk about like, anger management, like real relatable topics that they're going through as like middle schoolers and high schoolers. I mean, we, you know, we had one guy, you know, he had gotten some legal trouble. Unfortunately, luckily, uh, he beat his case. But, um, you know what I'm saying, he, he had gotten to some legal trouble. So we were just fortunate for that. But we, we kind of just showed them guys like, hey, you know, jail don't have no age minimum. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can go in there any age, honestly, mm-hmm. if the offense is bad enough. So um, I, I really like mentoring. And I definitely encourage, you know, anyone listening, if you feel like you're a role model, you know what I'm saying? If you're out here selling an options course, then you can be a role model to, you know, some young men in your area who may not have that, that, that father figure. Definitely. Hey, that's, that's real shit. Definitely, definitely give back and sow in into the younger generation, man. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we started this, too, because we saw, like, we didn't want the shorties to grow up. Because I ain't gonna lie, I think, like, that's probably one of the most reasons why this time is kind of turbulent for like our community. Cause I feel like our OGs, some of them, they fucked up along the way, bro. Like they didn't really take people by the wing like they were supposed to. Because I know a lot of times we'll say, you know, we wasn't taught this, this information, but that's bullshit. Cause there's sometimes where people did teach other people this information. They just didn't pass it down to us. They didn't hold up their, their end of the stick. So I definitely think that's something that we all gotta be accountable for is challenge each other to say, okay, how can you make this shit better for the next person? How can you sow into the person that's coming up behind you? Of course. And I feel like the OGs also got to have patience too, because I mean, unfortunately, I mean, some of the younger people coming up, they kind of, I feel like we're in a community where everything is based on, is it memeable, right? So it's no code of ethics out here. It's just, can I make this a meme? I mean, it's, it's a lot of money in social media, but it's coming at the expense of black culture. So, mm. you know, in terms of OGs, you have an OG trying to tell a young person something. And me and Josh have seen it. We talk to the young kids and they be like, yo, you old, man. We ain't, we ain't listening to you. But you got to keep on trying to reinforce that because we're all one unit. You know, if all black people fail, nobody's coming out, you know, w- without getting hurt. You know, we all one people and we all going to go down or rise a- as a unit. And, yeah, I think the reason that you really got to keep it real with a younger crowd is because sometimes they may look at you and say, oh, you know, he's older, he's not in touch. But, you know, when you start telling them, oh, yeah, NBA young boy, and you start speaking their language, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Talk about different rappers and, you know, different fashion trends and, you know, different stuff, things they go through, with, you know, dating and things of that nature. Like, yeah, I've been there, done that. I think the relatable factors really will help, you know, draw them in and allow them to want to listen to you more before, you know, they have to go through an unfortunate circumstance or, you know, 
go through, you know, something legally to, to learn that lesson. So that, that's what we're there for, so that we get out in front of them, so that they don't have to experience that. Hey, I'm not co-signing an NBA young boy just to reach out to some people, man. I, I am not co-signing that man, yo. You wild. <laughs> hey, man. New kids love that young boy, man. Yeah. Boy getting his bag, bro. Yeah, he in that baby bag, too. He got like, what, five of them? Yeah, that's crazy. Hey, man, but I want to personally commend y'all for doing that, though, like the mentorship and stuff. That's really dope, like making sure y'all give back and everything and like making sure y'all, you know, try to relate to those those kids, man. Because a lot of people need that. They ain't have that, you know. Hey, shout out to the single moms, man. It's a lot of single moms who, you know, yeah, they, they love what we do, you know. So shout out to the single moms that's, you know, dressing up, looking nice, dropping their kids off, you know. We, we appreciate y'all. I mean, definitely. But, bro, honestly, like, sometimes when I'm in there, it's like they're more so like little brothers to me. And I think that's really how I latch on me personally. You know what I mean? Because I look at them like the little brother that I may not have had. And, like, when you personalize the situation and, you know, we have our moments where we goof off. You know, we have, like, in, little intermissions between our presentations where we goof off and talk to them. Like, I know uh, Toby, he gave away a copy of 2K. He Richard. Yeah. He gave away a copy oh, of 2K no. to one of the kids. <laughs> I'm like, these not, your, these not your real sons. You're getting away 2K, like, sheesh. Wait a minute. But that's how you get them, though. Yeah, bro. exactly. Yeah. Right. Yep. You got a lot of people, they, like, they probably begging their parents for 2K. But if you say, okay, I bought you 2K, but this didn't even come out of my pocket. I use an investment to pay for this shit. Exactly. Then hit them a little bit deeper. What did they have to do to win 2K, Toby? What did they have to do to win 2K? Well, it was a, it was a ring contest, I believe. Oh, no. So we've had different contests. We've had contests where they've had to... I had a contest where I held out $20, and I told them to write out, like, to write out something that would persuade me to give them that $20. And that was an exercise to get them into writing out a professional resume, you know? So I held up $20 and they basically was like, you know, somebody came up there and was like, hey, I want this $20 cause you know, I'm gonna buy something for myself. You know, somebody came up and was like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna use this to help my mama. Little things like that. I think the way the boy who won it, I think it was like a book, a book uh, contest or something like that. Somebody had to come up and you had to read a book or something. But we do plenty of little contests to simulate real life events that these kids, would not do on their own. We just try to mask it, you know, like we was talking earlier, put the medicine in the candy. Hey, I think I got that right. Medicine in the yeah, candy. Yeah, got it right. right. Yeah, exactly. Hey. Hey. Yeah, so we try to put the medicine in the candy and they don't even know what hit them. You know, we do contests and then we like, yo, you know, you just wrote a resume. You know, and they're like, no, I didn't. It's like, no, you just did. Hey, that's cool, no, bro. I commend y'all for that, man. Keep on doing that shit, bro. For sure. Trying, man. That's a fact. Yo, so I want to transition to something uh, based on that segment. So what are some ways that you all think we're going to be able to fix financial illiteracy in our community? I think it really, really always will start with just start catching people where they are. So it's like a lot, a lot of people, I think that's why they like BWR or anything like that comes to financial literacy with that real ground level because so many people have such little understanding and a lot of them want to have understanding. We just gotta, we gotta start them somewhere. Like we don't want to spoon feed them, but to, the biggest thing to fix it to me is we just gotta give it to them in them little bite-sized chunks because not everybody is like 
us six on this podcast. Not everybody's gonna like get exposed to that information and just be like, oh my God, I need to know everything. Like it just giving them that little nugget and letting them see how this information can benefit them versus really just like throwing it at them. I think for me, like you said, it's meeting them where they at. Like you gotta mash some of this pop culture. You gotta mash some of this stuff that they doing with TikTok. Just like Toby said, you gotta put the medicine in the candy, bro. Even like with our parents though, because I know with my parents, since I've been on this financial literacy journey, like they start coming around more and like they'll start asking me questions and stuff. I think if you just start camouflaging the, the things that you say around people, start changing the narrative and changing the subject. Because I know with, with me, whenever my little brother riding with me, I try to hijack his mind. I'll be like, sometimes I'll listen to music, but then I'll be like, nah, fuck that. We about to listen to an audio book. Cause I want you to kind of soak up some of this shit. I want you to kind of get a different perspective of some stuff, but I, I don't want you to hear it from my voice. Cause like you said, they might think, oh, this is just an old nigga. Or this is just my brother being tough on me. Or this is just somebody who don't really know. They see me from another outside or whatever. But if you hear this by, from a whole another voice, somebody you don't know, and they put it in a whole different context to where it's really relatable, I feel like that's, that has another uh, effect on people. Yeah, and I also feel like you got to be bold in the different languages you speak, right? So for me, I remember there was a time where with my homeboys, we would only make moves and we trying to, you know, go out to the club, make moves with chicks. Like, yo, I got to move for us. But at the same time, I was sitting here, I was, I was getting all this knowledge in finance, but I wasn't really stretching out to them that same way. So, you know, now it's like, yo, I got to play for you. you know? I got to play for you. What you trying to do? You know, yeah, oh, what you thinking? And it's like, hey, there's this stock. Oh, there's this investment. And I'm bringing them in with the same language that I would use when I'm just trying to, you know, kick it with them, how we grew up. So it doesn't seem foreign to them. It doesn't seem like, because a lot of people, they don't like when they, they don't like to seem like somebody better than them is trying to help them because they feel like, oh, he's going to betray me. So, you know, when you bring your people and when you grew up with a certain, with a certain type of people and you talk to them about certain things, it's like, hey, you can find a way to take some terminology and dumb it down for them, you know, feed it to them. And as soon as they start getting comfortable, they start learning and maybe they can reach out to more people in their circle. And then it just becomes this thing that just is widespread. Yeah, I definitely think it has to be relatable and it needs to be digestible. Um, Cause I also have like my friends now are hitting me up. Hey, what do you think about this stock? Hey, what do you think about this investment? Or even like my aunts are now hitting me up and like, Hey, I have a 401k, but can you explain it to me? Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with it. I don't know what's going on. It's more of if slightly giving them the knowledge and throwing it out there that you do understand that you do know, and not just trying to force it down their throats that, hey, you need to do this. I think another large part of it, too, is, like, showing people the possibilities, like, showing people what can be achievable. Like, a lot of people, when I'm talking to folks, you know, to, like, the other day I had a conversation with somebody about, like, dividend yield and stock. And they didn't know that they could buy stock that paid them, you know what I'm saying, let alone paid them on a monthly basis or anything like that. They're like, wait, hold on, I can even do that? And, like, so it's just, in my opinion, like what they said before and kind of roping it in, even with the purpose of like BWR going all of that, it's like with the education, you know what I'm saying? Like just letting people know what's going on and like all their different possibilities. So how conscious are you of your delivery? Because in the past, on a couple of instances, I've been condescending 
by the way you may word some things. So how conscious of you are you just like, look here, you better take this game. I ain't gonna lie. You, that's an interesting thing, in my opinion. Oh, like, man. that's a, that's right. a really interesting like some thing. People, like you said, like some people, I guess it all depends on how soft or how tough, you know, how hard someone is in terms of their feelings. But I feel like if I'm trying to teach you something, I'm doing that out of kindness in my heart. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't really take nothing, you know, in an offensive manner. If anything, that should just be a wake-up call. Like, damn, I'm really, you know, down in the trenches. I need to get my act together. Yeah. I'm with you on that, bro. I think the accountability, tough talk route is a better approach. Not even really tough talk. Because to me, like, when it comes to being conscious of your delivery, a lot of the time, the way I look at it is people really just projecting themselves onto, like, whatever way you said it. Because you're not saying this shit with no malice in your heart. But they taking it with malice because they want to. So, like, I think it just, that's a deeper issue with people versus yourself. So, like, I just kind of let that shit roll off my back. Because I know I done said a couple things on Twitter, put them on Instagram, and then people like, oh, he's an asshole, man. He, he probably ain't got no businesses. He ain't got shit. He, he ain't got no money. I'm like, come on, bro. You don't even know me. This nigga lonely. I made a three times day. I'm lonely. Like, goddamn, I'm trying to educate you. Hey, shout out Xavier oh, Miller, because he be setting the time out off. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but see, I love it. And the thing about him is that he tells you based off real life experience. Like he's not making up his hypothetical. Like it's things that he messed up with himself or things he's lived, like due to success with him and Deanna, you know, being in a committed relationship. So he really speaking from the heart. You know what I'm saying? Like the one that always gonna resonate with me is when he was like, if you don't got 10K liquid, then you, need, you don't need to be bullshitting. And I've been telling all my friends that ever since. I've been like, yo, by the end of 2020, you need that 10K saved up. I think I, hey, I told Toby that too. Yeah, I, told, I even told Toby, I'm like, yo, if you don't have it, because I don't know your finance person, but if you don't have it, yo, at least 10K, you know what I mean? And that, sh- that shit hit, hit me. And there was another one. He was like, he's like, bro, my child already got 20 bands up. I'm like, you know what? That nigga made a whole lot. Hey, of- <laughs> hey, hey he just got five hundred more on the semi package. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, man. I almost unfollowed Xavier, man. I was looking at his tweets. I was looking at my bank account, like, all right, man, I need to get this ten k, you know. So I did get that. But in terms of just being condescending, I look at it as you got a bunch of picky eaters on social media, right? You got this big plate. You got the mac and cheese. You got the steak. You got the greens. They only want to eat mac and cheese. And they say, oh, hey, why, why are you being so... It's like, look, I'm on social media and I'm giving you so many different things to pick and choose from. And you pick one thing and you're mad about it. I look at it as, hey, look, you can't please everybody. I've seen some of the stuff you posted, but I also know you, Josh. So sometimes when people come at me or anybody on here and they say, oh, this person sounds condescending, I'm like, well, if you choose to you know, look at something and only take that one thing into account, that's not my problem. Right, right. Like you said, I mean, like when he said that, if a person don't have 10K, you know what I'm saying? They're going to be right. like, dang, like, are you trying to call me broke? But it's really, it's like, do you look at it negatively or do you look at it as a motivator? Like, hey, let me step my game up. Let me go back to my budget. Let me check my investments. You know what I mean? Let me see if I can maybe make a real estate play where I can get some monthly, you know, cash flow going when maybe I can get up to that 10K or 20K, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I just, I think, you know, what we do, we got to stick to what we do, and we really can't let the people who think we're condescending knock us off of our pivot. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, we just got to stick to our script. And the people who really want to learn and build, they're going to take it that way. You know what I'm saying? Or like I said, people who take it as condescending, well, they're going to stay broke as fuck. And you want me to tell you another thing I, I had to learn with this shit, too? I had to learn that our voice is not going to be heard by everybody, bro. Like, everybody not meant for the message that we're going to tell. Because, like, there could be somebody who put this shit in a whole nother way, and they're going to be like, that make fucking sense. But... Like you said, we're going to give it to you raw and uncut. Like, hey, man, you fucking bullshit. I also yeah. think, like, in my opinion, with the, like, the whole delivery thing, like, it's a mixed bag. Like, you have idealistic and then you have realistic. Like, everybody idealistically just wants people to just give them the information. They want it to be nice. They want it to be presentable and all the rest of that. But then it's like watching with different social media platforms and just watching how people react on social media. They react they to the react stuff to like we had an episode with those. And he said they he react said to the stuff with the stuff. Like they like to, it sounds bad, but people kind of like to have that little craziness in there. Like they like that little like condescendingness in the, the uh, to where it's like, okay, you, you throwing a little flag in there. Other than that, like I see a lot of people just throw out a lot of information all the time and like people don't react to it. They go by the wayside. They don't get the lightest. But it's just like, like Jalen said, some people are going to just get left behind. You can't get everybody. You can try, but you ain't going to get everybody. Facts. Everybody can't come. Yeah, and like me personally, like when people ask me like how I really started getting better with money, you know, I tell them, like, hey, you know, I grew up, you know, I was working in high school. Like, I went to college with, you know, some bands, and I blew it all on sneakers trying to be, you know, you know, fashion forward. And uh, one day my mom called me. It was like, you know, why you only got, you know, a couple hundred in your account? And to that, ever since that day, like, I just brightened up and I've been on, you know, the upward trajectory. But, you know, sometimes it takes you falling flat on your ass to really, you know what I mean, turn things around. So. Yeah, people think the only way for you to actually make it is to, you know, just read and not get your hands there. I've taken a bunch of losses. I just kept on learning from each loss. You know, mm-hmm. you got some people who, you know, Look, in terms of money, I had times where the as soon as I got some money in my hands, I'm thinking, okay, what I'm about to buy as far as this fresh new fit, where I'm about to go, see what's popping in the city. I was that guy. But we all had a point in time where it's like, yo, we got enlightened. And instead of us just saying, okay, that's just them, that's impossible, we said, you know what, let me actually make a change. And this is where we at now. Yo, Toby, I tell you, like, in Baltimore, they have, like, 40, 50, Ralph Lawrence shirts in the closet, seven for all mankind jeans, 200 a pop. You know, back in the day, True Religions, they was two, 300 a pop. You know what I'm saying? Like Air Max 95s, 150, 160 a pop. You know, all that crazy stuff, like you said. And you're going out, so now you're buying shots, you're trying to impress a lady, so now you buy a bottle. Like, it was all nonsense. But, you know, thankfully, we have, you know, corrected that mindset. And now we're basically like a living, you know, proof that you can change your life around. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, it could take a year. Like, you can change life around in one year, honestly, now. Especially with, like, we're in the information era. Like, it's, you can get so many certifications in, you know, five, six months. You know what I mean? So right now, you know, it's really no excuse, honestly. It's like, like y'all said, either you just not built for it or you bullshitting. Mm, I love that shit. You ain't built for it or you're bullshit. That's the name of this episode, damn it. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? The corporate coca smack black wealth renaissance. Way, you know? yeah, yeah, most definitely. SK Baltimore to West Texas. Yeah. 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 I love it. Everything in between, baby. So look, man, with that being said, we're going to uh, wrap this podcast up, bro. Um, I just want to say, man, I had fun tonight. Thank you guys for coming on, bro. Thank you for allowing us to share yeah. with y'all, man. It's been dope. Yeah, can't look forward to working together again, man. Hey, I had a lot of fun. My bottle almost done. I had this little, little bottle of vodka. I'm having a good time, man. I'm, I'm thankful for you guys inviting me on. And I told Toby, too, I said the next networking event, he got to come out. Hey, man. Next network. Hey, hold me to that. Hold me to that. Thanks. Well, once, like they say, once they open up outside again, yeah. we're going to make this happen, man. Yeah. Hey, David, you ain't getting by. You too. Yeah, yeah you too. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm in that head. I, be, I was mad I ain't go to Sacramento, man. Definitely, definitely. So look here, for the Corporate Koga Smack listeners, y'all just drop y'all social media pages um, and any websites y'all want to drop, you know what I mean, that they can check y'all out at. I, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And Who is me? It's for y'all. Oh, my bad. Oh, this is David <laughs> You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at David the Goliath. It's a little different on both, but if you type in David Bellard, you can find both. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, Jalen, me. Um, you can find me on Instagram at I Transcend You, and you can find me on Twitter at Jim gives no fucks. <laughs> I'll type in the ignorant entrepreneur and you'll find me. <laughs> the ignorant entrepreneur. Uh, this is Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Educated for Wealth. Educated the number four wealth. Uh, also on Black Wealth Renaissance. Follow us on Twitter, UWR underscore movement, and on IG at Black Wealth Renaissance.com. What's good, y'all? It's Woodjer. Jerry. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Spiller underscore solutions. And on Twitter, I'm Uncle Spiller. So you can follow me on either one of those. Hey, I ain't gonna lie though. Kelly, let me tell y'all, y'all can't see it right now, but he got a mic and it's like he reporting live from like South by Southwest. Now they like, thank y'all for tuning into my segment. You know what I mean? Got Sauce Walker here, David. (laughs) (laughs) Chill out, man. Y'all gonna stop calling me Sauce, bro. (laughs) Wee! Oh, man. But on our end, though, Josh F, Josh D Lifestyle on Twitter and Instagram. You know, it's a lifestyle, so check in. Yes, sir. This is your boy, Toby. You can find me at Long Live Toby, Long Live T-O-B-E on Twitter, Instagram. I also have a blog, longlivetoby.com. Or you can tap in with me at btlconsult.com. That's where I do financial consultations for individuals or small entities. However you find me, I'll be sure to reach back out to you and we can chop it up about whatever. Sure, most sure. Deaf, most deaf. We just want to say thank yeah, you thank to y'all. all the podcast listeners. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. We hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Y'all be on the lookout for more from us. Cross, uh, cross collab, man. Yeah, it's the first time, you know, we're going to do this again. Got to do this again. Hey, if the first time went like this, I mean, it's only up from here. We got to do a post-rona show. Hey, I like that. I'm down. I'm down with that. Well, shit. On that note, everybody, this is Black Wolf Renaissance and Corporate Coke Smack. Sir. Peace. 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 I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I 
ain't picking up my lot Unless it's money on the phone Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on I've been chasing after paper, all I know is run money marathons I got money on my mind, I'm just trying to get some dough I ain't picking up my lot, unless it's money on the phone Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on I've been chasing after paper, all I know is run money marathons Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.